Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 116. This episode is with SNC coach and sports scientist Efimios Kiprianu. Efimios is a coach that's worked at numerous clubs. He's also been over at Aspire Academy and previously with the Cyprus national team as well. We delved into loads of great topics on this podcast, including measuring the impact of sports science and some different KPIs that we can work towards. We spoke about creating drills to target different demands and outcomes, how these drills fit into a weekly plan. And Efimios was kind enough to go into into great detail on how he structures his week, but not only how he structures it, but how it can be adapted as well. And then we also touched on his speed training philosophy as well. So it was great to speak to him. He's someone that um, I followed his work for a long time. He puts loads of great information out on social media. So it was great to finally have him on the podcast and um, and catch up with him. So I really appreciate him giving up his time. So please, as always, give this podcast a share. I'd really appreciate as many shares on this one as possible. And we were actually talking when we finished recording, saying it'd be great for practitioners to reach out. And we always say about reaching out with your takeaways. But I think on this one as well, reaching out with um, how you think sports science and the impact in sports science can be measured too. So that's something we speak about in the podcast. But please reach out and tag us on social media. Let us know what your thoughts are on measuring the impact of sports science and possibly some KPIs that you work towards. I also just want to mention that over on our Instagram, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we are running a giveaway in association with Pulse Roll. Pulse Roll... Pulse Roll have been uh, kind enough to give us a mini gun um, to give away. So all you need to do is go onto our Instagram, share the post from our Instagram onto your story and tag both at football, fit, fed and Pulse Roll on your story and make sure you like both Football Fitness Federation and Pulse Roll um, and that will give you, that will enter you into the draw and give you a chance of winning a free mini gun from pulse roll as well so go and check that out on instagram depending on when you're listening and i hope you enjoy this episode 116 with efimios kiprianu welcome back to the football fitness federation podcast this is episode 116 and i'm delighted today to be joined by sports scientist and snc coach efimios Kiprianu. So, Efimias, thank you very much for giving up your time and coming on the podcast. Hey, Ben, thanks uh, for having me. Uh, I can say you have been doing a great job with the webinars and the podcast. And in the end, I believe that's the best uh, CPD for practitioners to hear from people working on the field. So, what they're actually doing. So, you are doing a great job, and I hope you keep uh, doing the same thing. Oh, thank you very much, mate. Very kind words. I appreciate that. Um, Efimios, let's just give, get, dive into your background. So I've just mentioned you're an SNC coach and sports scientist, but let's dive into where you've been, the clubs you've been at, your experience, and what has taken you yeah. up to um, this point. Yeah, to be honest, uh, I had a lot of titles in my career, and uh, my friends were laughing at me, saying that ah, you do everything. You are a SNC, sports scientist, nutritionist, physiologist. So, yeah, I'm a sports scientist doing the job of SNC because in the end, for me, it's just one thing. It should be one thing. Uh, I started my career working with uh, clubs 
here in my country, in Cyprus. Uh, I work also for the national team of my country, the senior national team. Before moving to Qatar and work for Aspire Academy, I, I was working as a sports scientist. Aspire Academy, we all know, is one of the best uh, sport organizations in the world. Uh, it was really good experience there. Uh, in the meantime, I, I took the UEFA coaching license. So I have also the, the coaching badge. If I don't want to call myself a, a coach, I just did it. Just, you know, you can uh, gain more and more and you can go deep inside the coach job. So you can use uh, this knowledge uh, for your daily practice. Uh, I'm currently doing my PhD at John Moore's uh, Liverpool University. I hope I will finish soon. And basically that's all. And then you're, you're currently um, looking for the next opportunity as well, aren't you? So Yes, yes. Uh, I left the team I was working in Emirates. I was working for a club there with uh, a Greek coach, Christos Contis. And uh, uh, now back in my for this job, the next project, doing some reading and trying to take advantage of the free time because we normally don't have this uh, opportunity. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. And we'll go into that um, at the end as well, because I want to dive into some of the sort of CPD you've been doing in this time, but we'll save that uh, for a little bit. But we'll start on, um, firstly, I, I really appreciate you coming on because you've been someone that I've followed for, for a long time. And I know you're someone that puts out a lot of information as well. So thank you for doing that. Because I always, yeah. practitioners that do that, I think uh, are the ones that I respect the most because you're not just working and developing behind the scenes. You're also willing to share as well. So I, I appreciate that from, from yourself. And one area we're going to touch on first is actually something that you put out on Twitter not too long ago with a, like a poll. And that was how to measure the impact of sports science and possibly some KPIs that we're looking at from that. So I thought that would be a good area to start with um, and get yeah. your views on it, on how we should measure the impact of sports science. Yeah, first of all, uh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, I'm trying to share my work and... Sometimes people are making fun of me. Why you share all your work? You show to people what you're doing, your exercises, your drills. But I don't see it like this. I have my blog. I'm posting a lot of videos, a lot of articles. Uh, my intention is to share with everyone. I get feedback. I think I'm getting better from what I'm listening, from uh, practitioners, from people working as coaches, as a sports scientists. So in the end, is we are a big community. We need to share. We need to improve ourselves. And uh, going to the next question you said about the KPIs and how we would rate a fitness coach or a fitness department, I think that's something that all of us working in uh, fitness industry were wondering. So how we can measure, how we can say one fitness coach is doing his job and uh, yes or not. Yeah, and you're right, I've posted something in, on Twitter asking people what you think. And uh, this is something that I will, I'm thinking to do as a part of my, or as a part of my research. Uh, in Twitter, I couldn't ask more than four questions. I, I couldn't have more than four KPIs. So my idea is to ask uh, and have 10 KPIs. So first of all, um, I will separate to objective and subjective. 
So objectively, we could ask, okay, we could say uh, one is player availability. Uh, we, and that was the most, um, uh, um, let's say common answer question, uh, answer from uh, the practitioner said, yeah, we believe that place availability is number one. The more players you have available for the coach, the better uh, coach you are, sports scientist, SNC you are. But it's not so easy, it's not so simple uh, because if we have a coach that is not willing to use all the his players because, okay, he, he, he believes he's not 100% ready, let's give more time to this player, he's coming back from injury, or I believe he's tired, let's keep him out of the squad for a while, that will have you at a numbers drop. So at the end, you will not have the big percentage that you are thinking. So what we could say, you are not, you are not a good uh, fitness coach. So that's one thing, or uh, the, 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 the second thing is with the players. What about if the players want to protect themselves and they don't want to push and they don't want to train? Again, your numbers will go down. Or uh, even if you have doctors or physios that they are not doing their job properly. So place availability, uh, yes, for me also is maybe the number one answer and the number one KPI that we have to uh, put all our focus and energy, but it then is not so simple. Uh, after place availability, we could say performance testing. It will be a good indicator to say, yes, the players are improving or the players are not improving. And uh, again, with that, uh, we need to bear in mind that we need to have the same testing battery I mean, doing the same test all the year along. We need to have at least two, three testing through the year. Uh, we need to repeat the same testing the next year. And we know managers are changing, coaches are changing, fitness coaches changing. They don't use the same testing. And what do we want to test? For me, simple. Yes, we test max sprint speed. We, we test the max aerobic speed. We, we test the max strength. But maybe for some players, for some uh, fitness coaches, that's not the case. We see a lot of uh, fitness coaches want to do their own tests, agility tests, reaction tests, or whatever. So again, it's not so simple to say, yes, we will use uh, fitness testing. And uh, again, something else we could use, another KPI is uh, the fitness data from uh, the games, or compare first with second half, or even the win percentage. So if we have more wins, we could say you are a, a better coach. But again, if you are not in a good team, what happens? Mm. If we have a lot of good fitness coaches working in small clubs that they yeah. don't win. KPI, but objectively, uh, we could say that we have the numbers, we have these kind of KPIs that we could, I don't know if the end, if we could have a mix of this, that we have all this I mentioned, and we can take, piece of uh, all these KPIs and we have, have them, let's say the, the overview of all these, and then going to more subjectively uh, answers or KPIs, we could get the players feedback if the players are happy, I don't know, with questionnaires or asking them or interviewing them, uh, or the coach feedback or the border feedback, asking the, the team what they think what they perceive uh, to be a fitness, a good fitness coach. Or if uh, we actually have as a team, we achieve our targets. So 
if let's say we are a small team and we avoid the relegation, yes, maybe we're a good fitness coach. Or if we win the championship, we're a big club. Yes, we are close to what we say good fitness coach. Or if we are selling players or if we are improving players, it's not so easy. For sure, it's not easy. But for me, it will be interesting to ask people working on the field. Maybe it's fitness coaches, maybe it's, it's coaches, maybe it's the border, it's the, fit, uh, the physios, the doctors, even the fans. What mm. they think that is a good fitness coach or fit, good fitness department. So I think it's something interesting. I, I, don't, I don't expect or I don't believe that there is straightforward answer that this is it. And we say that this is the KPI you have to use. And okay, we, we found the magic number. But it, it will be interesting to, to hear people's opinion and practitioners' opinion. I think it's a great point. And I think you've made some really valid points there on bringing up certain areas that we could have as KPIs, but also the, the word that you use that it is subjective because there's so many different situations at clubs, isn't there? And I think the important exactly. thing comes back to, like you've just mentioned there, deciding at the start of the season or whenever, or when, if maybe like when you go into your new role, what are the KPIs for me in this club at this time? Because the, the situation can be very different, can't it? And I think yeah, it's yeah, another exactly, great yeah. point that you made, that if you have these areas, so you can rate me on A, B, C, D, E, F. Like, what do you want to be the, the main KPI? Like, what am I focusing on? I think that's the important thing, isn't it? And then working back from there as a practitioner then. Yeah, I agree with what you said. And uh, in the end, I think uh, in our job as a sports scientists or fitness coaches, the most important is to have our coach happy. Because yeah. if he's happy, and if he's, of course, he will be happy to have all the players available. So in the end, the place availability seems to be the more logical or the best way to approach this. Uh, and if the coach is happy, we don't care will say about the border, about the fans, about the whatever is it, and will say, okay, what will make the coach happy if he will have all the players available? So we need to find the, the best way to approach this, the best formula, and we have to agree, agree this with him. So he will say, okay, coach, listen, you, you want the players 100% ready and then train with you. That will be the best uh, way to do. Okay, that will take time. So bear in mind, if I would tell you that that player is got a muscle strain and has, he, he has to stay out for uh, two, three weeks, don't ask me for this player after one week. Yes, I want him back. And on the same thing, if he's more than three weeks, and or, sorry, if he's already in, in the second, third week, and you are saying, okay, I, I need him to stay out for a while. I don't think that he's ready. So... Don't tell me after we lose one game, ah, you, why you don't have the player ready? Mm. So I think we have to agree with him at the beginning of our, um, uh, or the beginning of the year, um, that we're going to set up our goals. And of course, also the, um, the physio routines, the return to play routine and return to train, what is it? So we need to set our uh, protocols and our uh, routines and we have to agree with everyone. So it would yeah. be clear for everyone, for the physios, for the players, the most important for the players, for the committee, for the coach, for everyone. 
And it's also tying in with what you said before. And I know you were joking about your friend saying that you did a bit of everything and that that's what your role included. But that is essentially what we can fall into in a sports science or a strength conditioning role, isn't it? But with some agreed KPIs, that then gives you the focus of my focus is to keep players available or my focus is strictly on results or whatever it is. Like that gives you then that pinpoint focus on exactly what you're going to be judged on, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and you need to to follow this strategy and you need to as a group, because you are not working you are not working alone, you are working as a group, you need to have the same target. You need to have the same philosophy. Either you agree or not, doesn't matter. If you are in a group of people and you are working for a team, for a coach, you need to agree with his philosophy, the philosophy of the club. Uh, because if you don't agree, you have to leave. You have to yeah. go out of the club. Because I cannot be there and say, okay, I don't agree with the coach. I'm doing my job. But, okay, I don't agree with him. But uh, whatever happens, I blame him that this is his fault. Yeah. Or the other way around, he is blaming me that is my fault. So we need to have the same philosophy, the same mentality maybe. And uh, we need to stick together and follow the plan. And what you said before with the different identities and different... Uh, titles I had, I think it helped me, it helped me a lot that, okay, I started as an SNC, then working four years in a super academy with the physiology sports scientist uh, title. I learned more about the numbers, the data, and how we can, uh, how we can use the data to inform my daily practice. Mm. And then again, taking the Wi-Fi coaching license. So I, I learned also the code job. So I think the more we, we get, the more we learn, the more we continue improving ourselves and getting more information and more knowledge, I think the better we can get. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think it's a really interesting discussion. I'd encourage people to reach out to obviously yourself, but also us as well, because it would be really interesting to get people's points of view on that, whether like what some agreed KPIs are, um, because there might be some at certain clubs that we don't even think of. Um, Yes. And just to get people's opinion on it, wouldn't it be interesting to hear what people think? Mm, that would be interesting. In 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 any level, from yeah. a low level, in any country, women's, uh, men's, uh, soccer, whatever is it, academy level, again, some, it will be interesting. Uh, yeah. I think it's something that, as I, again, as I said, there is not right or wrong. No. But it no, will be no. interesting to hear what people think. Yeah. I agree. And we, and we spoke a lot about the improving the worth of sports scientists and the S&C coaches in terms of how we're valued um, as a whole industry. And I think this is a really important factor behind it is because this is what that does, isn't it? Like you can then turn around and say, this was my KPI and I'm using the same example again, but in terms of player availability, these are the amount of times that the players were available. Essentially, I did what was we were set out to do. Or, and, and we mentioned before about teams struggling um, perhaps as well, if we're looking strictly at results, we know as good as anyone, there's some amazing work being done by practitioners at clubs that are at the bottom of a league. Yeah. If we're looking strictly Any- at the league position, we, we disregard a lot of the amazing work that's been done throughout the season, don't we? Just because the team are bottom. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, from my experience, I think... 
the low-level club, if we could call level low-level club in Premier League, there is no low-level club. <laughs> but these these clubs are doing better job. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I've seen a lot of really good work from these kind of clubs. And on the other hand, I don't believe that in the end, I'm not judging anyone, but I don't think that uh, the big clubs have the, the best practitioners or the best people, and mm -hmm. they are doing the best job because they are, uh, and it will, it will be more difficult with these kind of players, you know, to have the big names and big managers that they, they want to do their own stuff. It's difficult to, to stick in a plan and do your own things and keep consistency and keep doing the same thing every year. Because if you think about it, if you are a big club and you have, let's say, a big name, a big manager that is, he's coming there, he wants to do his own stuff. So it will be difficult to continue doing something that you decided as a philosophy or, or uh, as a mentality of, uh, of a club. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that go into a league position, isn't there, at the end of the season? Yeah. It's, it's not, there's, there's not sure. just a couple. Um, the next thing to move on to, I think, was a really interesting topic is um, designing drills and how that sort of fits into, so working towards different demands, um, different sort of um, attributes that you're trying to hit within a session and then how that also fits into a weekly plan as well. So it'd be great to get your opinion on this yeah. and, and how you go about it. Yeah, that's something that uh, I'm really interested on and I'm a, a big, big, big fan of the integrated way of improving performance in soccer and also I'm a big fan of, a, of uh, the tactical periodization. And uh, recently I wrote with a colleague one ebook uh, about that, the balancing uh, physical and tactical loading soccer, a, a more holistic approach, I call it. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to to actually see and actually experience this kind of work because I'm doing this the last three years and I see that it's working really well. So for me, first of all, is to try to find the balance between uh, training and recovery. That's the first thing. And then you need to find the balance between the physical and tactical uh, load with players. And those are the key elements when you are designing a, a weekly plan. So let's say we want to hit max speed. And, I want, and we're going to speak about max speed in detail later on. But let, let's say if you want to do max speed, there are a lot of ways to achieve that. But if you think about that, okay, we're working in soccer. What we want to have, we, we want to have more touches with the ball. We want to, the players, first of all, to enjoy uh, doing our work. Sometimes it will be strict isolated runs to achieve our targets. But sometimes we have to think, okay, what are the tactical aspects uh, that the coach wants to implement today? Mm -hmm. So talking with coaches or making ourselves going to coach position or even discuss with him, maybe it's better and get to know what he wants from his tactical point of view. We can design drills that we can help us achieving our physical targets. That's not so easy as it sounds, I know. Mm -hmm. But if we have our philosophy and if we know what are we doing, and again, if we measure what we are doing with our drills, with our sessions, we'll be in a better position to decide what exactly are we doing during a session, during a week. Mm -hmm. 
So following, let's say, the tactical prioritization plan, and let's say we have a week, a normal week, came Saturday to Saturday. We could say we have the recovery blocks uh, with uh, a day off and a recovery session. Then we have the conditioning days. What I'm doing, I have strength, I have endurance. In these two uh, sessions, what I'm doing, I'm doing the strength part where I am, let's say, overloading uh, small spaces, neuromuscular activity is the first day uh, after the game that they, we're actually doing training. So we, don't, we want to avoid the big spaces, uh, high speed running. So we keep small spaces. I combine this with um, strength work in the gym or on the field with more functional way of doing this. Again, uh, combining this with some tactical aspects, maybe with a passing drill or a small-sided games or whatever is it. Then we have the big spaces, endurance. And again, something uh, I, I've proposed and I, I posted uh, recently is in the endurance day to combine this with speed. So have endurance speed together in one session. Because when we have big spaces, we cannot avoid the the, big, uh, the high speed running. Mm -hmm. So maybe it will be a good idea to expose to players to peak velocity, to max speed, whatever you, how you want to call it. So we, we can, in my part, the first, let's say 30 minutes where I have my warm up, I expose the players to max speed. Then the player, the, the coach is doing his own work, the tactical work with big spaces. And then the next day, that is March day minus two, where I had speed. So I'm focusing more on the speed of play. So again, mix to small spaces with, um, let's say, um, trying to find a way to have this session more as a, a recovery session rather than that a conditioning day. Mm. So it's match day minus two, the players are already tired from the two uh, conditioning days. So having this kind of uh, work I found that is working really well. The players love it. And they are, let's say, rege regenerating during this day. And then again, you have the match day minus one with the reaction. And okay, that's the plan. But we cannot say this is it and you do it and you will succeed. It's not so easy, of course. But uh, trying to have an idea and, and trying to have a plan would make things better and easier. And then you need to see the players individual. You need to see how the players are responding to this kind of work. Because, okay, you plan something, but what about the players? How are they, they are responding from this kind of work? And I think the, and the, that's why we have the GPS and the life with GPS that we, this can help us avoid some uh, situations, some harmful situations. And in the end, what I propose and what I like is to have some kind of reporting that will help us avoid these situations. And for me, I will focus to three points. First is to have a GPS report or session or drill report that is relative to game. So relative to what the player is doing the game. So I have a strength day. Okay, how this is comparing with what the player is doing in the game? I have a, an endurance day, what is my target? Because you need to see the targets you have. You, you cannot compare all the metrics with the game. 
No, just the metrics that are important for the day. I have strength day, okay, what is more important? The neuromuscular parameters. So I will take these parameters and compare them with the game. So first is relative to the game with the targets we have daily. Then is uh, relative to place capacities. And now we have uh, more and more people using the relative thresholds. And this is also part of my research. So how we actually get the, the players uh, capacities, the, 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 let's say the best of each player in max aerobic speed, max sprint speed, applying this in our GPS reports and have relative to what the player can do physically, mm -hmm. what he can do. And then the third and the last uh, report is relative to same day type or the same training type. And what I mean with that, we have a strength day. So I will compare the same um, training type day with, for each player uh, along the season. So mm -hmm. if I have, let's say 15, 20 strength sessions, I will compare this, have as a reference, this kind of uh, day for each player, for each position, for the whole team. So I will get a better insight, a better understanding of what I'm doing in my drills and what I'm doing in my sessions. Is that clear? I make myself uh, clear. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I've, I've said a lot and... I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just wanted to give a few updates on our online community. So for anyone that's not seen the community, we've got an online platform. We've now got 18 webinars available on the community to watch on demand, as well as 10 presentations from our networking meetings that we hold across the UK. There's actually a presentation on there, sorry, a webinar on there from FEMIOS as well, um, which is on integrated training in soccer, and he discusses whether it's time to change what the, our approach or not. Uh, so you can go and watch that webinar as well as all the other webinars we have available from coaches such as uh, Dr. Laura Bowen, Nick Grantham. Um, there's loads of different coaches on there that have done webinars for us and presentations from our events right across the UK. Um, there's also, we've just added a discount, a member discount code for Pulse Roll products as well so you can go and check that out too if you're not already a member of the community go to www.footballfitfed.com click the community tab at the top sign up there make sure you go through the whole um, sign up procedure and that will give you one month free on the community after that it is only £4.99 per month going forward and you get continued access to all the current webinars and presentations as well as all the presentations and webinars we have planned in the future as well so go and check it out if you're not already a member footballfitfed.com click the community tab sign up there to a free month on our community here's part two of the podcast with Mias. no it's good it's really good information because it's it's you're talking through the the sort of thought process going into it as well which i really like um it is really interesting to to hear about the different the different ways of reporting but with that as well what i was going to ask is so when you're talking about reporting this is obviously for for coaches um but it can also be transferred to how you report to players as well can it yeah so what i'm doing myself and i, I know that a lot of fitness coaches doing the same thing i have three kind of reports i have one for the players that they see what they are doing in the session easy they just compare themselves 
with their teammates or by position. That's simple. Then I have the coach report where I show him a little bit more advanced way of um, comparisons with let's say player, players with position, same uh, day type uh, compared with the game, whatever is it. And then I have one um, report for myself where I have a little bit more advanced, where I use standard deviations, where I use more advanced way of analyzing the data with uh, alerts and with the flagging system, where I get a little bit more insight mm. that I think is not so uh, interesting for the players, first of all, and for the coaches, because in the end, the coaches will ask, okay, we achieve our targets, yes. The players, there, there is someone that has to do extra work today or tomorrow in the training or someone was below your, our expectations or uh, didn't work as we wanted. Mm. And again, we need to set up our targets for each player for the day, for the session, for the week. So um, the, the coach, from my experience, the coaches don't care about uh, numbers some of them care, yes, and they are asking mm -hmm. about numbers, but in the end, they're asking these kind of simple uh, questions. And mm -hmm. we need to be able to answer to these questions with, uh, let's say in three seconds, we have to be able to answer. Because if I said to coach, uh, coach, okay, let me go home, let me download the data, let, let me analyze, let me put the numbers in the system, let me, uh, and, and we, we are going to the next day and still we didn't answer to our coach. Yeah. And so we need to be able to answer really quick. Yeah. And of course, uh, for me, because I hear a lot of people uh, discussing about the coach I and uh, when we are during the training, we can say, yes, it's a coach I, we can uh, correct the player, we can give feedback. Yes, from one side is the coach I, but we need to use the numbers mm. in a good way. And that's why I said we have these three kinds of reports. So we know what we are doing. We have our strategy and we use the numbers to inform our daily practice. So, because if we just rely on the coach I or our experience, I, I could easily say, okay, from my experience, today was a very good session. Yeah, but compared yeah, with God, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, why? Yeah. And how you can say it was a good session? Yeah. I mean, it's, we, we need to be, uh, I mean, in, in a position to, to give answers with rationale. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great point. I, it's, it is interesting to hear that because it, you're dealing with three very different groups of people there, aren't you? In terms of like sports science S&C, more sort of technical coaches that just want, like you said, they want the, the answer there and then. And a player, if you start spouting loads of information and loads of numbers to a player, it's just going to, they just want to hear like, where did I compare to him or her? Or where did I compare to myself? like yeah. a few weeks ago. That's all they care about, isn't it? Yeah, and, and to be honest, the, the, the place, the, the, they, are, they are coming to me and asking, no, oh, coach, I, I did my job. I was good, I, I was good. I have to do something extra. And you know, when, when you engage the players in this process, and, and I think that's, and I feel really good when this happened because there are essences that say, I, I, I cannot um, tell you and uh, that's uh, confidential. Why is confidential? Yeah, this is something yeah. that we have We have to give this information to the players. First of all, because we have to give this information, simple as that. And they are no secrets. 
they did their job, okay, we have to show them. And mm -hmm. using the live is a really, really good uh, way of engaging the players. We have a target, a max speed as a target today. We, have, we want to achieve uh, above 90%. We want to have uh, two, three efforts above 90%. Okay, look, uh, Mr. Uh, John, Mr. whatever is your name. This is what you did in the training. And that was our target. Yeah. So the players and something else, it would be good to engage the players, first of all, but we have to educate them. Mm. We have to, first of all, respect their work. We have to show to them what we are doing. And I like to do kind of presentation to my players when, I'm, when we are in the preseason. So I'm doing one, uh, I call it wellness presentation, where I'm, I present it to the players what will be our uh, recovery strategy, strategies and our daily routine, weekly routine after the game, uh, before training, when the questionnaire or is um, um, performance testing as a part of the wellness monitoring. So in that way, the players can understand why we are doing and they have to trust us. Okay, these guys, they know what they are doing. Okay. I would do it. I'll give my best. So engaging the players in this process it will help us understand, first of all, their needs because we, we have to be close to the players. We need to understand their needs and we need to be close to them daily and we need to understand um, how they feel and what their, their daily needs. Yeah, of course. It's tying in really nicely this with what we talked about before in, in terms of determining KPIs. This is basically determining KPIs with the players now as well, isn't it? Saying that this is how we're going to judge both of us on how we go throughout the season. This is our recovery. This is what we need to do. These are the steps we need to take. And if we don't do that, we know we're not doing our job, whether that's you or whether that's us or whether that's us both. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And you know, I think more and more we see fitness coaches, even coaches, uh, adapting a, a more, let's say, a more realistic or more human uh, approach uh, with the players. Mm. So we are going close to the players because uh, you, you want to be a leader. And being a leader, you need to give a good example to the player. And if I'm a coach that I don't discuss with my players or I, I don't want to, to, to uh, uh, let's say, explain them what are we doing and why we are doing it, the players will be okay. I would, I would do whatever you are saying to me because I, will have, I have to do it. It's my job. Mm. But I would not give my best. I would not give 100% of what I can do. But engaging the players with that, educate them, saying, yes, we do this because of this, then have a little bit of competition between them is, is a good way to achieve our targets. And uh, of course, the players, most of the times, they are like uh, kids. They, are, they like to enjoy. They like to enjoy their time. They, they want to have competition. They, they want to have targets in uh, their uh, sessions. And I think we need to bear in mind this and we need to design our drills in sessions uh, with this kind of philosophy and idea yeah. because we need to have enjoyable sessions of course we need to achieve our targets but we need to have enjoyable sessions yeah we've got to engage people haven't we and to do that we know yeah. that we don't want to just be going through the motions we want to 
you want to be engaged, you want to have some competition. All footballers are super competitive, aren't they? So to we can thrive on that and use that in, within our sessions without doubt. Um, yeah, just to tie that in now, you mentioned before about us touching on to um, some speed training. So I think that'd be good to dive into now because that is definitely something that where you yeah. see competition and all this sort of stuff comes into, into play. So do you want to just start on your sort of philosophy in terms of your speed, your approach to speed training? Yeah. So how this started? Uh, my background, uh, I was a sprinter. I was, I was doing athletics. So I was a 400 meters athlete. I was on the track. It's, it's different to have this kind of sport compared with uh, with soccer. Mm-hmm. There you are you are working with yourself. I mean, you are uh, dealing with yourself. You want to improve yourself. You are fighting every day to get uh, one second faster or uh, I don't know. So starting from that, I was I was always trying to compare athletics with soccer. Of course, someone will say it's not the same uh, mm. to be a sprinter and to be a soccer player. Okay, I accept this. But if we take what the player, if we analyze what a player is doing in the game, we can see velocities above 30 kilometers per hour. So we could say that the, the players are sprinting. And in most of the cases, the players are sprinting a lot. Mm. And depending from the position or the way that the coach the philosophy of the coach and the formation we have, maybe uh, players are sprinting a lot. Mm. Uh, 300 to 400 meters uh, above uh, zone six, above 25 kilometers per hour. So that's a lot. And then we need to ask ourselves how we prepare the players to face this in the game. If we say, okay, we are afraid to expose to the players to this kind of uh, velocities during the week, how we can expect players to be ready to do that in the game. Mm. So it's simple as that. For me, simple as that. And again, we need to test our players. We need to find a way to test our players. And that's also, that also was part of my research. And I published uh, one, for me, really good article last year, uh, where we tried to see where max speed occurs. So we compare Small-sided games, medium-sided games, large-sided games, sprint training without ball, uh, and game, and uh, sprint testing. So we have all these uh, types of work. So what, what we actually see, so is like with football, it's difficult to achieve max speed above 90%. Hmm. So what we have to do, and now we have uh, valid and reliable GPS uh, um, units, devices, we can use as a part of our daily routine to expose to players to a peak velocity with 30, 40 meters runs. Maybe it's a competition to players running together in a straight line and we can get the, the players max. So having the players max with easy way, simple as that. And what we did, we, did, we took five, six months data from academy players and we saw that the players actually hitting digs maybe every week. So we are testing the place without knowing that we are testing the place every week. So doing the sprint training, we are very close to players max. Mm. So exposing to players to these kind of velocities and having the best and the max of each player, we can then 
uh, analyze what we are doing every week, compare it with that much. Because thinking also the, the injury prevention point of view, we need to expose the players to these kind of velocities. And again, having the max, we can know if we are achieving above 90%, that is our target. And thus, this, the second uh, outcome of our uh, study is that most of the time during the game, the players are around 90% mm. of their uh, max speed. So this is a really valuable uh, message for practitioners. So we know that when we're exposing to the players to their maximum, it's not only performance related, it's the injury prevention point of view. So because some would say, okay, why you're exposing to a place to their uh, 100%, maybe every two or three weeks? Yeah, because that's a, a part of our injury prevention routine. Not yeah. because we are thinking that the players are sprinting, yes, they will get better in, their, uh, in the game. No. And as I said before, uh, with the, the reporting, that's why it all starts from, there, from, from this. We have what the players are doing in the game, we have the players' uh, a max uh, of physical capacities, mm. and then we have uh, what we are doing in the session or in the drill. So that's why we need to understand, first of all, this. We need to accept that the players are sprinting. <laughs> that's, I, I, I don't understand how still, still there are people saying that don't expose players to a max speed. I don't understand this. And I've posted a lot, a lot of videos showing that max speed is, is decisive in the game. You mm. see um, offensively or defensively how a sprint can change the game, scoring a goal or avoiding a goal. Yeah, That's the truth. We can we, all think we, of situations watch, where that's been key, haven't we? Like... Ex exactly, exactly. And, and one offensive or defensive sprint can make volume of difference in a game. It's, it's simple as that. And but of course, we need to bear in mind the match-to-match variability when we are profiling the players. And we need to bear in mind when we are playing with, um, let's say, uh, in, in what kind of level of team we are and how we play, how we want to play, so how the coach wants to play. And that's why we go into the training methodology that you asked at the beginning. For me, I have it very simple. And I'm always trying to explain this to my coach. So I have three ways of, uh, let's say three training methods. First is isolated. So as I said, I have the players uh, in a straight line or a curve running or whatever is it, just without a position, without ball, just sprint with uh, pairs as a competition, with flying start or a reaction start. Whatever is it, it's just simple run, achieving my target. The easiest way to do, and you can do it in three minutes. Getting your players warmed up and hitting two, three sprints, simple as that, in five minutes, you achieve everything. Mm -hmm. That's one way of doing this. Then we have the more functional way of doing this. And when I'm saying functional, fun functional to our sport, which is soccer. So what is functional? Using ball and using football specific, um, let's say movement mm. to achieve uh, the max speed. And of course the, the, the purpose is to achieve the max speed um, through the four uh, moments of the game. 
defensively or offensively with transitions that will be the ideal uh, way of doing this and using transition will be easiest easier to to achieve this from my experience mm. and then we have the the tactical way of doing this that is strictly we could say strictly close to what uh, how our team is playing so here we are getting uh, let's say the coaching side of how he would like the team to play and I, again offensively or defensively and i will give a simple um, example of team of teams pressing pressing high on the pit so having a big space behind so the four defenders have to be have to be able to sprint back when they will have to so when mm-hmm. the other team ex- escape our pressing and then we have balls behind our defense our central defenders and full backs have to be able to run back and do 20 30 to 40 meters to defend mm-hmm. and again we have to be able to do this and um, so those are the three ways of um, uh, training uh, the max speed in my philosophy and i think a lot of people doing this kind of work maybe they don't have this uh, naming or this uh, way of doing it but i think it's a logical uh, way of of working max speed from a, a more simplistic way to more uh, specific and more complex way close to the game model of our team and in terms of how they then fit into your week or your even like a a macro cycle throughout like a season would that just depend on the week on on obviously um the games and or do, would you have some sort of structure in terms of If you're taking them as one, two, and three, I want to get so many sessions in of, of the first one and so many of the second, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good, good question. And to answer to this, as I said before, we have a normal week. With, well, let's say we have seven days. And we have, when I said we have game, day off, recovery, strength with small spaces, then we have endurance with big, big spaces. So I will... Use this day to do my speed, so the the peak peak velocity max speed uh, exposures, as a part of my warm up. So what I'm doing with my coach, so I'm explaining him the way I want to to do this. Maybe one week I will say, okay, I want to achieve this with isolated runs. That is easier. Then the coach will have more time to work, and I'm doing this when I want to, let's say, test my players, and I'm doing this every three weeks. So every three weeks, I'm doing the isolated way of uh, achieving max speed. Why? Because it's the easiest way to achieve the, the uh, to take the best of each player. Because when I'm using the functional way or the tactical way, I'm, ar- I'm around uh, 90%. So monitoring these two um, uh, training methods, I saw that I'm achieving around 90%. So when I want to hit the 100%, I'm using the isolated way. When I'm, I want to work the more, uh, let's say, close to the game, closer to our game model, if it's more tactical way of work, I'm using the, the functional or the tactical. And then it's up to, okay, we, which will be the opponent? How tired are my players? Because there are weeks that I plan to do volume of work But in the end, I decided to change it because I get, 
I got the information before hung with wellness that my players feeling fatigue, they feel sore, they feel whatever is it, because maybe we change something in our uh, routine in the gym, or the coach did uh, more time in the yesterday's session, mm -hmm. or maybe a lot of players had a lot of, I don't know, other uh, problems. So I'm, I'm trying to adjust my work based on how my players feel. Of course, I have my plan, but in the end, I have to adjust to my players' readiness. Yeah, brilliant. That, that's basically having those tools in the toolbox, isn't it? And pulling them out when you need them. Um, exactly. Just different ways, exactly. of, different ways of hitting it, but essentially. But I think that's really good. I, I think that was top. Um, I'll, I'll move it on now because I'm just, I'm just wary of time. But we'll go on to some quick fire questions just to finish up. Yeah. So the, the first one for yourself, and obviously these are based on, on you and your career so far. So who have been some big, some of the biggest influences on your career so far? I will, I will say I have a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 will, I would not mention a lot. And I will split this in three, three parts. One part is, is my brother. My brother is, is an athletic coach. He's working in University of Georgia, where he's a head coach there. He, he has Olympic uh, medal athletes. He's, he's the one that inspired me to work with sports. So oh, he's really? the one that gave me this, let's say, spirit. And then I had uh, the luck and I would say the honor to work with, uh, for me, two of the best, three of the best in the world, in, uh, in the industry where I when I was in Qatar, uh, in Aspire Academy. So I worked close with Alberto Mendes Villanueva, who is the, the author of the tactical prioritization uh, book, who helped me a lot to understand how to apply the, the SNC job uh, to a more realistic way, I could say. And then uh, I had Warren Gregson, Professor Warren Gregson, who helped me a lot with the more scientific point of view, helped me a lot with my PhD. He's my PhD supervisor, along with um, Matt Weston and Hani uh, Alfadad, Mr. Vaste Di Salvo, Mr. Daniele, all these people that helped me while I was in Aspire, they gave me a lot. I'm really thankful to them. I really appreciate their time and their effort and what they did while I was in Aspire. And, and I think I proved a lot. And of course, then I have the last part, the, uh, the, the coaching uh, school here in Cyprus, while I had two of the best um, educators who gave me a lot of the coach insights. And I think all the blend of all this helped me a lot to, to understand better and my work and be better professional. Brilliant. And then the next one, what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Uh, I think that question is something that maybe one of the coaches I work with or the players <laughs> have to answer. But if you ask me, I would say that I'm trying to, to be close to my players, to hear my players. And uh, also the, the thing that I, I got a little bit of everything, a little bit from sports science, a little bit from uh, the SNC job, a little bit of the coaching job. I think that's the, my, my biggest strength. 
that made me better. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think there'll be a lot of coaches out there like that as well. Um, yeah. And then the next one, in terms of CPD, so any development stuff you've done recently? So is there like a webinar that stands out? Is there like a certain podcast or a podcast episode even that stands out? Or what's some of the best sort of CPD that you've done recently or seen? Uh, apart from what you are doing. That is me trying to push ours, by the way. I can say that. Um, I recently um, contribute to Seattle Sounders uh, Sports uh, Science Conference. Uh, and that was one of uh, the best experience I had in my life to let's say discuss and be part of this great event was something really good for myself and doing my PhD now, trying to publish some of my work with my supervisors is something that make myself uh, better improving daily. And of course, doing a lot of reading uh, and trying to that uh, around the world that is that there are a lot and we have to keep posted and we have to keep keep uh, educated ourselves brill and then the last ones um the same sort of question for a coach and a player but what do you think the most one of the most important traits we could have as a, a coaches or or attributes um, that's 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 a good question, and I wanted to say something uh, before, but maybe that's the good opportunity you gave me to say that. For me, we have to, uh, let's say, think also the emotions that uh, can play a crucial role. And as a coaches, we have to have, first of all, ourselves, the emotional stability. Mm, so we have to point. be the same when we lose, when we win. And uh, we have to think the players as uh, human beings. Yeah. Uh, they have feelings, they have families, they have uh, a lot of concerns out of the two hours uh, of the training we have. So we, we, are, we are demanding with them, we keep asking things, we, you know, some, sometimes we are punishing them, sometimes, you know, but we have to think that they are human beings, they have families, maybe they didn't sleep because of something. So we have to be close to them, we have to try to understand their needs, and in the end, of course, the players buy in is in the whole process is something fundamental for all of us working uh, as a fitness coaches. So I could say that uh, the emotions is something that can play and has will have values of difference in in our work. Yeah, great point, really good point. And then the final one. Um, from a player's point of view, so with the players that you've worked with, what do you think some of the sort of standout attributes, and obviously I don't mean necessarily on the pitch, but just in sort of, in sort of personalities or what are some key things you think um, need to come from a player? I, 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 don't, I, I don't have specific answer to this question, but each player is different. So you, we will see a lot of different players giving us different feedbacks. And, and the, the thing is, we have to be able to take everything, all the feedback, analyze it, and we will respond and we will 
let's say, be able to adapt to the place we have. And we have to hear them and understand their needs. And, and there is not something specific that I could say, this is it. Uh, no, that's fine. I don't know. No, yes. I, you're talking from our point of view, which I completely understand. Like We can't yes. necessarily control um, specifically what players do, but the way we work with them, we can, can't we? So I think that I think it's another good point and way of thinking of it. Yeah. Um, this has been great. I think there's loads in this one. Um, I, I think we've covered some really interesting topics there. So I really appreciate your time. Um, big thank you for coming on. And do, if anyone wants to reach out, because I know we spoke about the KPIs at the start and trying to get people to encourage it on reaching out, where's the best place that they can sort of get in contact with you? Uh, Twitter or uh, I have my blog, eksportsperformance.com, where I'm posting a lot. I have a lot of videos, a lot of articles. And uh, people feel free to contact with me. Um, I will be glad to answer to any question or to be in touch with anyone. And I, I had a lot of, um, let's say, contacts and emails the last few weeks. And I'm the person that I like to be close to professionals and try to help as much as I can. Awesome. Well, I do encourage people to reach out because um, I know these can be some really important conversations that we can have as well. So um, yeah, I encourage people to get in touch and huge thank you to yourself for, for giving up your thank time you, today. It was my pleasure. Else. No, it's great to speak thank to you, you, mate. I really appreciate it and we'll stay in touch. Yes, for sure. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. And big thank you to Effie Mias for giving up his time. Loads of great takeaways in this one, I think. But just the first thing to mention is something I mentioned at the start of the episode, is that it'd be great to hear from you guys on um, your views on measuring the impact of sports science and possibly some KPIs that you work to within your role. So whether you want to drop us a private message or tag us on Instagram or Twitter, it'd be great to hear from you guys. In um, I always say about takeaways, but I think this specifically from this episode would be really good. Um in terms of takeaways for me, I think he talk, when he was talking about takeaways, he's talking about player availability and it just shows that there's a lot of different factors that go into these KPIs. So it is really important that we do tie them down at the start of whether it's going into a new role or whether it's going into a new season, really deciding on how we are going to be measured as being impactful in our role. Um what makes the coach happy? So that ties in with that really nicely. So what does the coach expect from you? What areas do they expect from you? Because that is going to be different from team to team. There will be some crossovers, but it's really important to sort of decide on that at the start. Making sessions enjoyable. And he also we mentioned about uh, making sessions competitive as well and the drills competitive. That's something that we all know that I'm, I'm sure people that have played whatever level we've played at, we we can always think of sessions that we've done or drills that we've done that have been competitive and enjoyable and we get more out of those. It was interesting to hear about his lessons from him being a sprinter as well. Some of the sort of um, transitions he's made from sprint training into football too. And then one of the really key takeaways I think I took away from this one is where he talked about emotional stability from a coach in that we can't be, and we've talked about this, I think the, the episode that jumps out 
for me recently is the one with Easy Evie Casagrande when we were talking about um, you being happy in your, your home life and being stable in your home life. It's so important that the, the fact of coach health is something that isn't spoke about a lot but it's so so important that we do focus on that and we do stuff for ourselves as well and it's 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 really interesting that FMEOS brought it up in this podcast too so I really hope you enjoyed the episode it was great to speak to him um, he's got a webinar available on our community as well that you can go and watch and listen back to as well which is which is superb go and give him a follow as well so if you search his name on Instagram You'll find his um, his account on Instagram, but he's also on Twitter, which is um, at E-F-T-H-I-M-I-S and then um, 400. Um, so go and give him a search on Twitter. Give him a tag and like I say, give us a tag and let us know some of the key um, KPIs that you are measured within your role because it'd be great to hear some of the different ones that are out there for different coaches in different um, situations at different clubs. So again... Huge thank you for listening to the podcast and I'll speak to you again next week in episode 117.